You're listening to the 2009 Jack Straw Writers Program. Writer Rachel Dilworth is interviewed by program curator Donna Miskolta. You've said that you were fascinated by the potential for poetry to be, as Adrian Rich put it, revolutionary. Can you give some examples of how that potential has figured into not only your choice of subject matter, but also how you render it? Yeah, I I want poetry to matter. I deeply want it um, with, you know, with my whole heart and person. And that idea that, that poetry could be revolutionary, uh, that it could be a powerful force in the world, at work, at work in the world and at work for the world. And um, I take that to mean that it is about the business of making people care. revolutionary in the sense of a change. A revolution is is a change. It's a turn to some other kind of consciousness and perspective. And I would, I would really hope that poetry can be involved in that. It seems to me that's a project, you know, whether it's could be about something as small as a bird or some animal in our natural world, or whether it's an issue that people do not have a lot of information about or do not know about. You know, poetry can be about the business of affecting a change in people's level of empathy and understanding. Now you'll hear selections from Rachel's live reading at Jack Straw Productions. Our first reader tonight is Rachel Dilworth. For her Jack Straw application, Rachel submitted work from her first book of poems forthcoming this fall, called The Wild Rose Asylum, poems of the Magdalene Laundries of Ireland. Beautiful, heartbreaking poems that capture the terrible and lonely existence of the women consigned to the limbo of these asylums and how an institution meant to care for and reform can cross the line into not just physical imprisonment but an incarceration of the soul. In her Jack Straw project, Rachel moves away from the women of the Magdalene Asylums who were silenced by a society to a more general contemplation of what it means to lose voice. She explores the boundaries between voice and self, how they come together, fall apart, and finally emerge anew. Rachel Dilworth. Thank you so much, Donna. The new series of poems I've started as part of Jack Straw is still very new and evolving in its dimensions, and I'm experimenting. But it's interested in thinking about voice, voice rendered inaccessible, lost nerve, shaken sense of self, and thinking about when some kind of unwelcome disruption in life or major change or shaking experience leaves a person feeling estranged from their prior or characteristic self and voice and its identity and confidence. This poem comes out of thinking about new imaginative connections that a shaken self may find and what we do in the face of unexpected damage. And a kinglet, for anyone who hasn't seen one, is a very, very beautiful, very tiny bird. Oath to a golden-crowned kinglet. And the poem begins with an epigraph from Shakespeare's Richard II. For God's sake, let us sit upon the ground and tell sad stories of the deaths of kings.
as light as laughter you haven't felt in years. Approachable and interested, crisp step, plenty of fellows, every move a here, here, what, what? Not rigor. Not a broken neck. Because what can be the purpose of saying the break? Saying the smallest was glad in this day that was made and lifted himself in the warm wind to have cracked by glass his delighted, industrious heart? Is there lament enough in that speech act or in the first that returns him to the start? The king is dead. No pomp of dignity, nor grace in cause. No greater than a palm upturned, missed only by those now more alone. He is dead. He is dead. He is dead. I swear, no surrender. And this next poem thinks about the tough, odd-looking fruit of the rose plant, though this is not related to the upcoming book, which has rose in the title, and thinks about this idea of new imaginative associations one might forge potentially having a kind of strengthening quality. And rose hips are poem fruit, like the apple, so full of seeds, and frost is apparently very important to the seeds' generation, germination. On harvesting rose hips. It's no longer the puddle of starflower, for of a sudden there, street side with a lucky seven petals apiece, borealis, bursty and gentling from such long stalks, pooling light for a time that pulls me all the way in. It's hip season, and I claim these crazy things for my pure fascination. Bulby swerves of red. Tabasco balls, orange with a hard-ass swing of the hip like a bell, like a ring, like an off-rhyme, side-slipping so you're drawn closer, and never just one but a blistering. Hips! Good God, was pomacious, always such a word to hold to oneself with its curves, blazing like crazy. I am all seed and seed casing, and fleshy, swollen ovary, and honey, I am so lovely. Come on, Frost, bite me. <laughs> then you tough nuts, you'll crack, and the cracks will bring such scattering. Winter will drag on, and the purses you were, what will come? Did you make anything? So much need of sheer weather, of beasts and their vagary. They say you are good for trembles and to strengthen the heart. Your sepals, where the flowers were, form their own stars. Hard, peculiar beauties. I take you to me. And I'm going to close tonight by reading just two short pieces from my upcoming book, The Wild Rose Asylum, Poems of the Magdalen Laundries of Ireland. And Magdalen Asylums, for anyone who's not familiar, were 19th and 20th century institutions established for the care, reformation, and containment of supposedly fallen women. 
They existed outside of Ireland as well, and a number of Ireland's smaller asylums were run by Protestant lay people, but by far and away the largest were run by four female orders of the Catholic Church. And behind the doors of the institutions, women performed the arduous laundry labor that subsidized the asylums where they were often confined for years. In the 20th century, those women ranged from unmarried mothers to teenagers merely suspected or thought at risk of sexual conduct, women with mild mental challenges, prostitutes, victims of assault, and others thought in some way outside moral or social norms. These two poems are from a series in the book called The Body Sonnets. And the first addresses one woman's sense of urgency to get out of the confinement and life of the institution from the perspective of a young woman put in just because suspected of sin or thought at risk of moral danger. Body Sonnets 7, Escape. A room that wants for light is one long wall turning and returning on itself with all the convolution of a lie. My body riddles me with bleak resolve. If I am painted black, let me be starling. Let me become the night stolen away. Come dark and dark, hold you this beauty. Say, institution can mean the act of starting. Stray painter's razor. A nun will do it then. Begin the end. Conceive the lure of option. No passion bound me here. So, logic blank, may its awful edge now cut me free again. The soul's a fire poppy. It will rip like skin to sticky life, insisting open, open. And the second poem addresses Donatello's statue of the Magdalene in Italy and references that one mention of Mary Magdalene in the Bible is as a woman out of whom Christ cast seven devils. Body Sonnets 8, The Magdalene. Cresting the gradual stairs in the Museo del Duomo, you come to the Madalena, who is nearly a river, of hair. Her clothes, if they be clothes, Donatello has ragged to tresses that leave her only more bare, snaking the bite of her thigh's line, giving rib into hip in their tumbling, watery upset. How it engulfs her, how it falls and falls, this living hair, this impression of restraint unkept. How right, you think, knowing she simply caved to abandon in that moment when she knelt and wept. Standing, she looks not beautiful or saved, but tender, wretched, aching with all she has felt. Supplication is want. Is this, you wonder, what we feel before the devils go? or after. Thank you very much. This podcast was produced by Jack Straw Productions as part of the Jack Straw Writers Program. The 2009 curator of this program is Donna Muscolta. Music performed by Sean Osborne and recorded as part of the Jack Straw Artist Support Program. 
Producer is Jenny Cecil Moore. Recording engineers are Mo Preventure, Tom Stiles, and CJ Lazenby. Narrator is Amy Broomhall, and executive director of Jack Straw Productions is Joan Rabinowitz. The Jack Straw Writers Program is made possible with support from the Paul G. Allen Family Foundation, Arts Fund, Poncho, the City of Seattle Office of Arts and Cultural Affairs, Four Culture King County Lodging Tax Fund, the Washington State Arts Commission, the National Endowment for the Arts, and individual contributors. All of the writers heard in this series are published in the Jack Straw Writers Anthology, available for purchase and featured online at jackstraw.org. Thank you for listening. <laughs>